It's time for a change. Strap your headphones on and join Chris, Scott, and Sean. Three active duty police officers in the Chicago suburbs. As they face the tough subjects, including police brutality, racial tension, rioting, and more. Weekly, you'll get tips and tricks on how to keep you and your family safe, what to do during traffic stops, how to handle domestic violence, and more. This This is a show about about opening a dialogue, accepting that something has to be done, and bringing communities together together again. again. And now your hosts, Chris, Scott, and Sean. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Three Cops Talk. This is Sean. As usual, I'm here with Uncle Chris. Yo, yo. And my man, Scott. Hey, hey. Hey, it's good to be back with the band together again. Uh, If you guys don't know, I've kind of departed from the People's Republic of Illinois and resettled a little further south in free America again. And it's great to to see... Blue sky, uh, red state. Uh Right, right. It's great to see how the weather's doing so well for you all up there. You know, you guys... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Obviously... Single digits is where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes you get in the minuses. And uh, it's it's fun because, like, it's cold down here and it's 47. (laughs) It's minus 47 here. You guys, a full 100 degree switch you guys are dealing with. But what's really cool is my wife really has gained an appreciation (laughs) for the difference between a snow blower and a snow thrower and oh, yeah, how much totally that helps different. with a three-car yeah. garage when your uh your douchebag husband is down in the warmer state dealing with whatever he's dealing and now you're facetiming her all the time Hi. yeah like oh my god oh god it's so cold i just like to watch from the window as the kids do it <laughs> right, right. Like, i need a sweater it's i'm just it's cold like watching you Ooh, it's cold yeah, watching right. you do that get the, the edges the right get the edges right the first time or you screws up the Start entire with the edge <laughs> But it's like, as you can tell, it's like I'm not even gone anyway. Other than the cold weather, uh, we're still the same team. It's all awesome. So um, we got a guest on today that's going to talk about some really important things that are affecting our work and um, some of the things that we have to deal with that people would never, ever assume that a cop has to come across a circumstance. And like we always say, police officers, if you want to talk about a situation where it's really, really difficult at the most stressful time when it has to be handled with very little knowledge prior to the event as to what's going on to read things. You're talking to a cop's world on a day-to-day basis. We'd like to have people understand some of those things, some of those challenges. In the past, we just pretty much treated everybody the same when we dealt with them. You do what we say, and this is how it works, and you won't get hurt, and we won't you know, have to take you to jail or whatever. But we've gone way beyond that as a society with some of the things that we've talked about in the past. Our first guest we've known for a little while, Scott's going to give us a little intro on him, um, but I think we're going to find today's show very interesting, very translatable to a lot of other things that we experience. Absolutely. So our guest today is Stefan. He is also from a suburban Illinois Police Department, uh, a cop that we've actually worked with a handful of times over the years, so going back a little ways. And um, the reason we had him come out here today, you know, we talk about mental health. We've we've talked quite a bit about mental health, how the, the things that people are struggling with, how we handle mental health-related type things as police officers. And so, actually, uh, his area of expertise uh, relates to autism. So he is going to give us a, a perspective kind of from both sides on that today. So, Stefan, thank you for being here. Thanks. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. it. I really appreciate and, the opportunity uh, to be here, guys. And, thank you. Uh, it's great to have you. Good to see you again. And so, without any further ado, I'll let you, you know, introduce yourself again and 
tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what we're going to talk about today. All right. Yeah. Again, thank you again. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, my name is Stefan. I've got to over 20 years with the Suburban Illinois Police Department. Um, and really what got me interested in this topic or my personal aspect of this topic, um, in 2013, my two youngest sons were diagnosed with autism. Um, you know, after my wife and I kind of let this life-changing diagnosis sink into our brains, um, we began to be learn everything we possibly could about autism. Sure. Every research, article, website, internet, Facebook group, Facebook group, anything we could to learn more about it. As we learned more, we wanted to be, become advocates for our two sons. Um, but I started to think longer into this, and I said, what would happen if my two worlds collided? Meaning my professional life as a law enforcement officer sure. and in my personal life as a father. Yeah. Would Do we as law enforcement really understand the characteristics of autism? Do we have the training and skills to recognize um, during an interaction that this might not be somebody who's being evasive or uncooperative or combative, um, but it's really somebody who's now, you know, has his disability and is just really being misunderstood. Um, so for the past several years, I've been lucky enough to be able to train law enforcement all over the country, um, specifically here in Illinois, but in Seattle, Tennessee, Florida, um, all over a little bit. So I've been very lucky to be able to spread this message and um, provide training to law enforcement officers all over the country so that we, when we have these interactions, we're able to recognize these signs and symptoms um, and then have positive interactions. And it's Some of the things to that point uh, for our listeners, when um, we have you know talked on other shows about how we interact with the public there's some things that you traditionally look at in law enforcement like that this one related to as like evasiveness things along those lines and at times you know in the past we've like this guy is giving me the runaround this guy's not being straight with me this guy's not being you know on the up and up and you know i reasonably believe he's up to something no good and you know our reactions to that were often with a stern repro- approach or whatever and how that doesn't really equate well in these situations. And we're taking a situation that if we had just stopped for a second and maybe listened and, and reread it and whatever. And in, in defense of some cops, like there's so many different ways to read these things. But this and the prevalence of it is, is why this is so important to talk about as a show and why he's such a good reference for that. Because he is walking it every single day, right. uh, doubled down on it on top of it. So it, it's great to hear his side of the story. And, and, and Stephen, if you can kind of tell us, did you always have an interest in this kind of way of dealing with folks? Or, you know, what was your walk prior to the experience with you finding out with your sons? Um, and I was, I didn't know anything about autism before my sons were diagnosed. I mean, I knew absolutely nothing. I mean, I had heard the term but never knew a whole lot about it, never knew what the characteristics were, never knew what um, characteristics were associated with a disability. It wasn't until my sons were diagnosed that I started to research and learn and understand a lot more. Um, prior to that, I mean, you know, Scott, we can vouch for, you know, in the academy 20 years ago, we didn't have any training about right, autism. Right. It didn't exist. No, right, right. Um, no, no. Even, no. even up to 10 years ago, there really wasn't anything out there yeah. um, when my sons were diagnosed. So... Um, this is still a very new thing that's coming around, and we're seeing we're seeing a lot of interactions. And if you you Google interact law enforcement interaction interactions with autism, um, if you did it today, you'd probably have fifteen front page articles that were where the interaction went horribly wrong. So well, that, did that, you, that, go ahead. Sorry, I was, I was gonna go. say, did you when you started looking, was it hard? You know. Were you finding a lot of stuff, or were you finding that you had to really dig to find things? No, and I really had to dig. Well, there's a lot of information about autism out there, mm-hmm. but now try to apply it to our profession. Right, that's it, right. That just wasn't out there at all. I mean, there was very little, and there's a handful of people um, across the country that 
do this training, but it's it's very rare, and there's a handful of us um, that go around, and most of us have a vested interest in that we have children on the autism spectrum, which well, is our motivation for doing it. Right, and I think, you know, like you said, over the last, you know, 20 years ago in the academy, we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't know anything about it. It was, you know, mental health was a short was a short segment in the, you know, in the, in the academy class. And one of the things that I, I mean, over time, you know, as this evolved, and, and the story is with the kid with autism is that it was probably 15 years into my career, which was probably just like maybe five years after they started teaching us and right. know what to expect. And we're going to get all in, into all that detail later. But we get a call of a kid in the pond behind yeah. the house. Long story short, we get there, and this kid is having the best time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he could stand. You know, and he's just right. out there swimming, doing his thing. Well, if it was 10 years ago, we're like all going out there and, you know, just being unsafe ourselves, right. you know, getting to getting in the water and then getting into a scuffle with this guy. And, you know, but at that time with the, with the little bit of training that we had, it was like he could stand in the water. He's fine. So the firemen are gearing up. They're doing, you know, he's within, you know, arms reach or whatever. Right. Just so we kind of let him do his thing. And it, it ended, you know, he got out of the water. He was good. And we got the hospital to the, you know, to my amazement, the doctor was like, you know, because the water was cold. It was, I think it was March. And the doctor's like, I'm not worried about the cold water. I mean, you know, the kid was probably going to be fine. It would, right. you know, over time, he goes, it was the bacteria in the water that he was probably swallowing that he was more concerned about. Yeah. More concerned. But like I said, years ago, we'd have been going in, grabbing him, then it would have been a fight. And right. then all of a sudden, now it's like, he could stand, let him do his thing. We could take our time. He's safe. He's happy. He's good, and then and that was a really big turning point for me, when it was when the training starts kicking in, and this just goes back to everything we're talking about more training in regard to less training. So what what did you start like? How did you start bringing the research that you were getting into law enforcement and teaching? Well, the biggest part of it is just understanding some of the characteristics with autism, and the three major areas that are affected by autism are social interaction communication and restrictive and repetitive behaviors in this strict adherence to routines well that could becomes you, very can you give us an example of each yeah um so social interactions like socially awkward um don't understand a social setting don't understand personal space so you may have an interaction with somebody and they may get up right up in your face well us as cops that you just that yeah, is our area right. you just don't get into <laughs> right, right. um you're like whoa back yeah, up yeah, you know? right, right. Yeah, right. Um, but um, when you start looking at some of the things associated with it, you might start to recognize things. Communication is one of the biggest things. 40% of the people with autism will be nonverbal or have limited verbal ability. So you're going to go up and you're going to ask them a question and be like, at least your ID, and you're going to get a blank stare. And be like, what are you trying to hide? Yeah, why are you ignoring right. me? Right, why are you ignoring me? What do you, you know, what's the deal? Or they won't look at you in the eye. That's one of the other big things. Sure. Um, people with autism have a difficult time making contact, uh, eye contact. It's not that they don't want to make eye contact, but our facial features, there's a lot going on. So it's a lot for them to take in. Um, so they can't look at you in the eye. So when we have somebody contact with somebody or interact with somebody and they won't look us in the eye, our spidey senses start to go up yeah, because right. we've been right. taught that since day right. one of the academy. that's right. how people people stuff, yeah. right. Right. we get suspicious right. of that behavior. Right. So it's very easy to see misrepresent some of the characteristics as somebody who's being uncooperative or evasive or uh, might be a flight risk or combative in some of the things. Um, and one of the one of the big things for me, it was, uh, it was a video that broke in about 2017 um, and it went like viral everywhere over the country, and it was in Buckeye, Arizona. And some people might have seen it, but um, there's an officer driving around. He's a DRE, so he's driving around a park. And he DRE sees, is uh, drug recognition expert. Okay. So he's driving around. And he sees he's, this young man. So he's um, he's 15. He's walking around the park, but he's mumbling to himself. He's doing something with his hands. So the 
the officer thinks he's under the influence. Sure. I'm a DRE. I'm an expert. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go drugs. investigate. Right. Right, yeah, so ask we, any DRE, they'll tell you that all the time, <laughs> that they're experts, they right. emphasize the right. export, and if you dare try to wade into that without doing any of it, it's like the Knights Templar, they're going to kill you over it. Well, it, you know, it'll take me 10 minutes and feel too ready to realize that you're fucked up, <laughs> but right. it'll take right. a DRE an hour and a half, right, so. Right, 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 right. right. exactly. Like, what are you doing here? Can we move this along? He's a marked man now, boys, we've got to protect the boys with the DRE community. <laughs> Uh, so during this interaction, the officer gets out and approaches him, and he says, what are you doing with your hands? And he's like, what's in your hands? He goes, I have a piece of string. He goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm walking. So in this brief interaction, um, the officer thinks something up and goes, all right, let me see your hands, puts his hand behind your back, and the minute he touches this this kid, it goes it goes bad. For sure. He goes, yeah. can't he tries to get away, takes him down to the ground. Um, and finally, the, his caregiver walks up and explains that he's got autism. And during the interaction, the officer says, the caregiver says, well, he's doing something with his hands. His caregiver says, well, he's stimming. And he goes, I don't know what that is. And right there, that's that red flag for me. Because during this interaction, the young man's name was Connor. So w- watching 30 seconds of this video, seeing Connor's behaviors were red flags to me. Right. But I live this every day. Yeah. The average cop right, does right, not. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I could see that. Can you imagine a poor kid that walks up to me with my big head and my facial features? Holy moly. <laughs> this <laughs> noggin coming at those poor kids. But wow. so, so you took the, the video, and then that's when you started kind of coming out and talking to, to law enforcement and showing them what um, what to look for and and what to do. So now, so what's the second one? The first one was so, and then the other one is restrictive and repetitive behaviors. So what Connor's doing is he's playing with the string, and it's called stimming. It's self-regulating behavior. Okay. So it's way they calm themselves. But for us, it looks like somebody suffering a mental health crisis or they're right. under the influence. So. Those things draw red flags for us as cops because that's what we're trained to do. Right sure. now, part of that could be hitting themselves too, correct? Yes. Okay. And, okay. and if, when we get into um, a meltdown situation or okay. aggressive behaviors, yes, then it, there's that self-injurious behavior that we can see associated with right. autism as well. Right. And you one? can see what a disaster right. this become for a cop that doesn't really understand this because we can't label people. So the cop walks up, oh, well, this is a kid that's doing this. Now, if he's doing some of the stimming, is what it's called stuff. Yeah, and he's doing that in his pocket of his hoodie. And he's not looking at us. He's not right. talking to us. We can't see his hands. Then we decide to move in to kind of get control of the guy to pat him down and make sure that he doesn't have a weapon, which we've talked about in other shows, like how we have the authority to do that under suspicious behavior. Then it becomes very, very violent, and you right. think you're fighting for your life as a police officer. You know, you're going to suffer some from great bodily harm, and then it turns out it's this. It's like, you know, how do we? How do you feel we can win in a situation like that? Well, and, and it's kind of twofold, and I see – that's where I have this unique perspective that I see it from both sides. I understand it because I do this job every day, but I'm also still a father. So I have right. my concerns. Um, and yeah. part of this is a two-way street. So, yes, I'm out there training law enforcement of walking to recognize. But on the flip side, I'm also training parents of children oh, with yeah. autism to right. say, this is what our expectations are as police officers. Right. These are the things that we are going to do. So let's work together collaboratively so we can prevent these these negative influence, you know, interactions from happening. Um, so it's a two-way street. And, right. You know, it's simple things like autism identifiers on your kids or um, special needs registries. And I know there's a big controversy over special needs registries and we're stigmatizing the special needs community. And that's that's not the case. Well, and I will tell and when you, you explain it that way. Right. That, that, and this is what people need to know is that that's, the way you're explaining it, that's why they're trying to do it. It's not about stigmas. Right. It's about helping both sides of this issue, you know, and helping right. everybody to keep people safe. Right. The more information we have, the better. 
Because if we know we're going to a house or interacting with somebody that we know that has special needs, we're going to shift gears immediately. We know we're interacting with, but if we don't have that knowledge, and now in these split seconds, we're forced to, okay, could it be this? Could it be this? I don't know. It could be this. It could be under the influence. It could be the disability. There's so many things thrown at us so quickly that we have to make a decision, and sometimes it's wrong, unfortunately. Do you you get a lot of static from parents that don't want that stigma? Because like I've been seeing a lot more, um, even the the stickers on doors when you walk in, you know, non- Nonverbal or right. what's the third one? Um, nonverbal, maybe crumb aggressive. Right. Okay. Um, you know, sometimes even touch will do a you'll get a fight or flight response from it. Right. So that I mean, so I I have seen stickers, but do you think it's more the parents they don't want the stigma or you know they don't want to admit that you know hey my my son or daughters have autism you know or whether it's function what what do you call high end or low end on the spectrum or whatever they call it yeah so okay. you can fall on his high ends, but I think parents' apprehensiveness is they don't want their kids to be labeled um, and. Part of me understands the perspective, but here's the thing. My kids have a disability. I'm okay with it. They're still my kids, right. and I accept them anywhere right. they are. And right. Um, right. I would rather have right. people understand, um, mm-hmm. especially law enforcement or first responders, even firefighters, and the same thing, because they're in the same situations as us. If they have that information, they can handle things a lot better, a lot differently. Yeah. But without that information, we're now stuck guessing right. what this may or may not be. Right. Um, and parents are scared that we're going to stigmatize them or treat them differently, and it's not the case. It's really, and I explained to families and parents that um, this is critical information for us. And if right. we have that information, we can handle things way differently um, going into a situation than without knowing that information. Oh, that, 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 that brings a whole new dy- dynamic to the situation right. when you're going in. And, you know, I think, and if anybody has questions or anybody wants to, you know, um, give us more information from a citizen side uh, or law enforcement, right, just uh, email us at 3copstalk at gmail.com, number 3copstalk at gmail.com, because this is a prevalent, mental health is prevalent in our society, especially now at the pandemic. We see a lot of more things going on. Um, you know, a lot more people are becoming diagnosed with autism or depression and a lot of other stuff that, that I'm seeing. Right. And um, this is, you know, we have to get the more information we have. And again, this could, it could go from good to bad prior to even us going in there if we had this information. Right. And that's a that, question question for you. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. A question for you regarding the idea of you know, your your sons are teenagers and the sense of freedom that you want them to be able to have like everybody else. I mean, you know, they they have a disability like you said, but we've taken great strides as a society to you know, address that through the ADA and everything else. Right. Now, when this happens, like how do you how do you manage this process for them to be able to go outside, play in the yard? Uh, do they see friends? You know, things along those lines, you know, based upon your experience. So, like, you had mentioned something about an indicator that you would want your kid. And I'm, I'm make, if I'm making a poor assumption, I apologize. Something that he would wear that we would know. Um, like, you know, we remember we used to have the MedAlert badges when you came across somebody that was having a medical episode, like a yeah. physical medical episode. Is that the kind of thing that you're talking about? I mean, like, how do you manage the process as a parent? So an officer that's listening or a parent that's not completely sure would know, like, these are things without violating their rights because they have a disability that we can assist in this process. Yeah, and there's a, there's a couple good ways to do it as a, as a parent. This is what I explain to parents is um, if you can, if they are verbal enough, have them tell them to disclose. Yes, I have a disability. Sure. Yes, I have autism. Um, it's not a thing to not hide. Right. Um, there are some instances where you know children, even young adults, do hide their disability. Um, but some of the things that we offer in my department, and you know, and I, 
I'm not going to lie. I'm just like every other cop. I stole the idea from every other department I could find. Um, but I incorporated it into my own agency. So right, it was, right, it was right. phenomenal. This is my idea. Right. I, I'm claim, staking claim to this. It was right, all me. Right. Um, but that's not the case. Um, but like a lot of departments, um, they'll, have, they'll provide a disability awareness card. So when, they, when you ask for ID, they pull out this card that says, I have a disability. I have autism. These are my triggers. These are my, care, you know, my guardians, my emergency contact information. Right. So it's a way for them to easily, safely disclose without if they can't physically say it uh, right. under the, you know, Illinois um, has it where you can actually have it put on your driver's license. But if you saw the steps to be able to do that, it's astronomical. And yeah. I know, you know, Illinois is so squared away and so much of their <laughs> right, stuff, right, right, um, right, but it made, right, it, they made right. it so yeah, difficult to be able to budget. Right. 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 Well, yeah. and I know our agency, we've gotten a lot better about having that information available. Like mm-hmm. we, you know, I mean, so we know going to those things, um, we have great social workers that, Right. are involved with that and help out with that and provide training with that. I mean, we, I feel like we do a good job of training our, our officers so that they are, they know what kinds of things to look for. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you can always use more training. Um, so I think that is definitely a positive for us. Do you think that through all this stuff that you're doing, do you think that the word's getting out there better? Do you think police departments are getting their officers better trained up on this stuff to deal with it? Some yes, some no. So like, you know, states like Florida, Tennessee, they mandate their law enforcement have really? continuing education training huh. specifically to autism, um, which is outstanding. Really? Illinois is not oh. one of those states. Um, Illinois is required that you get Here's it. There's my surprise face. <laughs> <laughs> um, Illinois is not one of those states. You're required to get training in the academy, which is one hour of training. That's it. Huh? That's it in the academy. And then you're, do we, do we it's recommended that you have continuing education. Wait, I don't, I don't, I don't remember, remember having having they when, wasn't back when we were getting. No, when we were when we were in the academy, it was not. Okay. You know, twenty years uh, ago, it was, that did, was not. How long ago did they start doing that? You know, I think it was about eight years ago. Oh, okay. where they implemented it, where you had to have some form of training. Something. But that was, it's one hour. It you know. Yeah, I mean, what is one hour nothing. out of fourteen nothing. weeks? Nothing. nothing. You know? I right. mean, I mean, we're gonna be. We'll do this show for probably an hour, and I'm. Gonna, I'll be a little bit better. <laughs> off, but no, I mean, but <laughs> right. seriously, right. I mean, I'm right. a little bit and, better. And with and in in the time when you're getting hit with a, such a huge amount of information, you, right. you know, how well is that really sinking in in that right. one it, hour of training? It's not. Remember, we, I mean, remember when we were in the academy, you're like just happy to be there. And you're, <laughs> right. you're, and you're, and you're right. Oh, I'm the police today. Yeah. I'm the police. Right. You know? right. So you're, right. I mean, I, about I, having lint on your pants then you're listening. <laughs> you're sitting, you know, because I don't want to do push-ups. <laughs> so, I'm, you know. Uh, so. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's part of the heart. So there's a line of, you know, some states are going to, some departments are reaching out and saying, listen, we're not mandated to have this training, but we want this training. Sure. Um, the good thing with Illinois is we've incorporated, there's two hours of autism training incorporated with the CIT curriculum for the 40 hours. Oh, there is. Okay. So in the 40 hours. intervention training, yeah, yeah. The, the one we yeah. do for, it's, it's training that for our listeners that need to know, crisis intervention training, kind of, a, it's, a, it's kind of a catch-all in addressing a lot of right. different folks in crisis, but to dedicate two hours of, some of those classes are what, eight to 40 hours, dependent upon the certification you get. We have to do 40. Two now. hours. Right. Yeah, but yeah. two hours of that is actually just for a single topic like that is actually really very helpful, I'd say, in a lot of ways. Because if there's going to be one that you're going to commonly come across, particularly with young people, and we deal with young people a lot, like understanding autism way better is really helpful because, you know, it's so conflicted for you when you're an officer. You're like, what is going on? I don't know what really to do here. This could be problematic for me if this is an ordinary citizen acting me this way. And if you have an extraordinary individual that you're dealing with on that level, again, I can't stress it enough. It's it's very important that you can maybe take a step back for a second. Mm-hmm. Don't come at people the same way every time. And although it's 
you know, a tragedy or not even a tragedy. It's difficult for families to deal with it. Also, is maybe an opportunity for police officers to look at how we deal with people, everybody, mm-hmm. in a certain way. You know, why wouldn't we want to treat everybody with that level of dignity and respect? You know. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's the hardest thing with autism is they call it an, indi- an invisible disability or a hidden disability in that there's no physical characteristics or outward characteristics that you can look at somebody and say, hey, they have autism. It just doesn't exist. You know, some disabilities like Down syndrome, things like that, there are some physical characteristics that go along with it. So you can see that right. and be like, okay, we know there's a disability now and we can shift gears. But with autism, right. it doesn't have that. So it could be anybody walking the street and they, they, they physically look the same as everybody else, but it's what's inside and what's going on in those characteristics that are difficult. Mm-hmm. And the numbers are staggering. You know, we're just looking at, you know, just, you know, for 2020, CDC came out with the numbers are one in 54 children will have an autism diagnosis. Really? In, 2000, in the year 2000, when we went to the academy, it was one in 150. So it's up 178% in 20 years. Do you think that's because of more practical diagnosis more tests more whatever do you think it's more like hey this this kid just not on un- and, and i'm not yeah. i'm just saying because you hear this well that kid just unbehaved like i have a guy his name uh i train with him his name is Vito. He, and back in the day his dad went to school on friday you know and the kid you know the teacher said you know he's got adhd and you know Vito's dad's like you know he won't have that on monday and sure enough <laughs> he didn't have it on monday <laughs> you know Vito was you know he, he was a he was a you know he yeah, was right. a model student another so, product of the chicago right. public schools <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so i mean how much do you think of that is you know um is it because we have better testing more testing you know more like is it the water i mean what what it's i think there's a lot of reasons number one it's um there's a lot more awareness about it so parents are now looking for these symptoms a little bit sooner than they would have um testing is obviously better but there's no set test there's not you can't take a blood test and say oh they have autism there's it's a battery of tests to check for those you know areas we talked about social interaction communication that restrictive repetitive behaviors so there's even the testing process itself is very very lengthy um to get an autism diagnosis um but i think there's a lot more awareness about it like you know, in the 70s, it was like one in 100, like 10,000 kids, right. you know, because it just wasn't heard of, but yet it was still prevalent, just not to the way we are. And I think um, back in the 70s, like we have a, the stigma now, back then there was just, you know, in the 70s, there right. were like, there's no way, I'm not even going to, you know, I'd rather deal with my child myself than have that, right. you know, that stigma or whatever, so... Um, so, and I think a lot of it, I think the numbers are rising. Um, there's no real, nobody really knows the reason why. There's no set cause um, we do know there's a genetic component to autism because the likelihood if you have one child with autism the likelihood that you have a second is significantly higher really? um, like it is with my case really? um, but i have three boys i have a 13 year old he's your stereotypical 13 year old seventh grader i mean yeah he yeah. is run of the mill yeah right um and then it's you know you know my second son and my third son um well my second son uh, my wife and she is the she's the leader of the pack with us um she saw characteristics right away and she's like, something's not right with him. Something's not right with him. Something's not right with him. And I'm like, nah, you know, I'm and the how, dad. How early right. was that? Um, he was, we started seeing it at about, at about two, two and a half. Okay. Um, so we started kind of looking at certain things and it he wasn't diagnosed till he was four. Um, you know, but characteristics was he didn't walk till he was 15 months old. Um, he had some language and it just stopped. Um, you know, he was very clumsy. Um, we had a lot of that lack of eye contact. We saw a lot of the, um, stacking things having things in order and a yeah. row and those are the early characters behaviors yeah certain behaviors those are early characters you start to see so when he was diagnosed you know we fast forward and my now my youngest son is born 
Um, and we saw the same things. So we were already kind of going to this battery of tests. So we're like, we're seeing this again. Sure. So my youngest son was diagnosed at the age of two, but we'd already kind of been experiencing this. So we were able to get him diagnosed much sooner than we were my middle son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and and I, just, I just didn't like recognize when been, it. When they, when they give you the diagnosis, those diagnosis of that is there from the medical side of the house is it just like what do they do to tell you to prepare for a life with this do they tell you like this is what you're in for this is what you should expect here's how you should do this or is it like an ongoing thing like regular treatment i mean how's how does it work to people that don't understand that well you get that you get that treatment and you get that diagnosis and it's like a kick in the gut and then you're looking right. and then you're like they're like, okay, uh, if you have any questions, give us a call. And you're like, walk out of there. And you're like, holy Wait, shit, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. That's it. That's uh, it. Right, so, right. And it's where parents have to be advocates. They, give you, they ask you more questions when you get fake boobs. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, what are you talking about? That's it? Right. That's all I got here? So, I mean, they weren't very... Um, they weren't very helpful and they're like oh here's some resources here's some websites i'm like i'm like well no thanks a lot so we um reached out to certain people and really we just did our own research and my wife was the champion of this where she set out and that was her mission and she found everything and so um you know well there's no cure for autism autism is treatable and it's done through intensive therapy so occupational therapy speech therapy um, ABA therapy, which is called applied behavior analysis all things that what will is, help what is that um it's basically just how to AB, I don't know how to explain ABA theory because it's it, it's a difficult thing to explain. But it basically, it's, um, it teaches independent living skills. It teaches how to cope with certain strategy, um, certain things, mm-hmm. how to how to deal with life. Okay. Because you're right. going to have disappointments. Things aren't going to go your way, and right. that that rigidity of the behavior with somebody with autism is very difficult. If things not in a perfect order or a set time or in a set way, yeah, um, it can trigger um, some problem behaviors. Um, ABA kind of trains your kids or teaches your kids how to be able to cope with some of those things among many other things and it could be food therapy it can be um you know work with school or be able to sit when my kids started aba therapy um they could not sit at a table for more than 90 seconds to a minute without losing it really? now mm-hmm. our sessions are two hours long and they'll sit there for the entire session oh, i mean it's good. i mean it's oh, so astronomical it works. The, it, works. it works yeah, yeah. It so works. it's absolutely so they always have it there's no cure but it can be treatable for them to be to live Correct. Um, so you can overcome some of those deficiencies okay. and build off of those. So, you know, in the higher functioning side of autism, you people have they have, they have jobs, they go to college. Um, I actually met a law enforcement, law enforcement officer from LAPD who had an autism diagnosis. He did 30 years and he had his PhD. Really? Hmm. Yeah. So, wow. um, you know, even higher functioning. Yeah, it was, out, it was outstanding. Um, and I was at a conference done. I was at Alita a couple of years ago in St. Louis. I was presenting down there, and I ran into a defensive tactics instructor. He's like, oh, I sat in your class because I have an autism diagnosis. Hmm. I work for a defensive tactics company out of wow. the East Coast. He goes, so I just saw this and wanted to shine in. So, um, you know, those higher-functioning individuals can drive, work, you know, be law enforcement officers. It just, it just varies on it. And they call it an autism spectrum because you can kind of fall anywhere on the spectrum from higher-functioning to lower-functioning to moderate-functioning. Some areas can be affected worse than others. Um, it just varies from person to person to person. Do you feel like over the years now that there's been more treatments, there's been more things available to um, people who are suffering with that, that to help them? I mean, is there, are there more things out there now? There is. And so ABA is one of those things that's kind of really coming to the forefront that is just kind of an absolute must. Um, occupational therapy, speech therapy, those things are more readily available now. Um, you know, had this been, had my boys been diagnosed 20 years ago, um, things might be a lot different and i talk to people who have children who are now 20 25 years old and they're like the 
these resources weren't here 25 years ago. Right, right. Um, they're, right. They are now. And I look forward, you know, and fast forward in 25 year, more years, what else will be available? What changes will there be? Um, so that's, you know, it's promising for us. But, you know, we're looking at it. We're like, we have, they are a lifetime commitment for us. I don't know if my boys will ever be able to live on their own or ever go to college. They may. I don't know. Um, it's too early to tell, but um, we're preparing for um, not just the rest of our lives, but the rest of their lives. Right. Sure. So now, is there right. any place somebody can go? And, and I, I could just equate it to. So, um, I have a family member that she will advocate for kids with student uh, with learning problems. Mm-hmm. So you, you hire her, you call her, and she will walk you through. This is what you need to do. This is what you you know where you should go. Is there anything like that for parents that have children with autism? Like a website, and you can hire you know Miss Smith to help you walk through all this stuff and get you where you need to go. Not that I am aware of, and we really, we really just did this on our own. Um, really? You know, and I, I just recently reached out. I had a, a friend of mine who was another officer for another suburban community, and he he reached out to me. and He goes, you know, I, I'm seeing these, and he sat through my training. He's like, I see these characteristics with my son. I see these characteristics with my son. Um, he goes, but he's not diagnosed. He's not diagnosed. And he called me a few months later. He goes, okay, we officially have the diagnosis. And I'm like, how are you doing? He's like, I feel like I got kicked in the nuts. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. that's you will feel that for a while. Right. And I said, but. Um, once it sets in, I said, it's now time to, you are your best, your son's best advocate. You are his voice now. So I'm like, here are some things you need to do. And I said, I'm not gonna lie. I said, I wish I, we would have had somebody like that that was able to point us in the right directions when we received our diagnosis yeah. and nothing was really yeah. there. You're, you're going with nothing. It's we're just going with what nothing. you two, you, you and your wife were working with from the get go. Right. right. Where do you, where do you, where would you point other people that if they were listening to the show and they're you know, like, well, maybe my kid does, maybe my kid doesn't, or my kid does, what do I do now? Where, where, where would be a starting position for them? Um, a great starting point is, um, and a great organization that I've been able to um, work with a little bit, it's called the National Autism Association, so NAA. NAA is a parent-run organization, so um, it's run by parents who have children with autism, so they understand yeah. what you're going through, and they have lots of resources and things go out there. They're primarily based in the East Coast, but they still have a ton of resources. Um, the Easter Seals here, um, is a great resource as well. They can help point you in directions for therapies and things like that. Um, even provide those therapies. Really, uh, there's a lot of independent um, organizations. Little Friends in Naperville was a great one. Um, yep. And there's there's a few things all over. So it's just looking at it. But NAA Easter Seals um, and even your doctor um, is a great way to start. But as autism kind of manifests, it branches in different directions. So now you need um, an ABA therapist, you need a speech therapist, you need an occupational therapist, you may need physical therapy, you may need um, a food coach because um, restricted diets is such a huge thing. You may have to have a neurologist, you may have to have a pediatrician. And how is your insurance, how has insurance been with all that? That's the thing, you know, we have kids. And to be honest with you, cops have good insurance, you know what I mean? Right. So this answer is going to be pretty telling here in a minute. Um, and our insurance through my through my employer is great. It's not the issue with my village. It is insurance, and it is a battle. So every six months, um, they have to reevaluate their therapies, and they're like, "Oh, if it's not worded right, it's denied." So right. I just went through this battle. Yeah. So that they added denied, stress to you, right. right? They denied my my middle son's therapy starting January sixth. So you call the insurance company. I'm going to say it, it's Blue Cross Blue Shield because um, I can't. <laughs> not a sponsor, by right, the way. Right, not, not a sponsor, sponsor by any means. But not I was so disappointed because it's like, oh, we get a denial letter. But they never call us as parents. They call the provider and they said, well, you got denied. They're like, to say why? They're like, well, they didn't give us a reason why. So then you try to call and you, I get this poor nine, like 
1-800 operator and she's like i don't know and i'm like i'm like i'm sorry to vent on you i said she's like she's like oh no baby she's like just go ahead and vent she's like i'll listen i'm like right. thank you You're not the first call so right. you know, we, we couldn't right. we, we it was just getting answers was like pulling teeth i even went to my hr director and said this is the runaround i'm getting and we right. finally after six weeks of battling it out they finally approved it and it was just it wasn't worded the right way two years ago they're like well you have to have your sons reevaluated. and i'm like it's autism. It's not going anywhere. Right. It's yeah. a lifelong diagnosis. And they're like, well, no, we just want to make sure they still have it. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, are you going to pay for their evaluation? Because I'm not paying for it. Right. I said, I know where my sons are at. Why are you? Nope. They forced us to take them back down and have them re-diagnosed. Wow. It was just, so insurance is a, is a battle. because And it's, it's not, does it feel like it's getting any better? No. Or, it's no. actually feel like it's getting worse. Really? Yes. Right. Wow. You know, when we first started, we didn't have these 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 road you know those bumps in the road and now they're just i mean huge roadblocks for with insurance um, it was the same thing we kind of found with it and now there's the same thing like on the same scale because one's of choice and one's not of choice but right. when you were dealing with people that were trying to get treatment for addiction and yeah. the kids really needed it the insurance companies were like whatever and, and we were as cops going this is so prevalent and yet the insurance companies have not caught up with less expensive means or less intrusive, you know, intrusive, but cumbersome or bureaucratic means to get parents over that. I, I like for that six weeks, did you not re I mean, cause I imagine this isn't cheap. Were no. you not able to put your son's sons through the treatment no, while we, you were waiting? No, we continued with it. And I said, if we got to pay it out of pocket, we got to pay it out of pocket. I mean, yeah, it's just, we'll, we'll let it roll. Talk about a labor yeah. of love. That's right. awesome. I right. Mean, I mean, like, I mean that money rolling. doesn't grow on trees. I mean, everybody thinks cops are always balling, but I mean, right. it, that that's expensive stuff. And, and to do that, like you're making sacrifices on other levels, which puts other stressors on your family and things like that. So the battle that you're facing, a lot of people that have never gone through it would never understand it. Do you know of anywhere in all the research that you did that like, you know, people like watch a lot of media sources like documentaries or films that really captured what you and your family was going through. Would you recommend any of those for this lay people that don't understand this? Like what, what it's like to have a child with autism and how difficult it is. I, and what I felt was the kind of the best it's out of Netflix. It's called atypical. Okay. Um, they had a couple seasons of it and well, there's some things, yes, it's a, it's a it's a show and it's it's somewhat made up, but there are some things that like hit home when you watch it. You're like, oh, like I had this happen yesterday, or like this is what to expect right. when you have right. Um, right. an older son or daughter on the spectrum at 18, um, as they're starting to go through. You know, you know, my boys are just starting to go through puberty, which is a great time with autism. I'll tell you, uh, because <laughs> yeah, right, your hormones right. already right. water whack, and then right, I right, throw right, autism right. in the middle of it. It's right. like. You know, even my even the director's like she's like you're in for a roller coaster. I'm like, oh, I know, I know. You know, <laughs> so so we're kind of we're kind of prepared. Bye, bye. See ya. Okay, right. see ya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said it kind of plateaus. Out on that one too? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, they kind of plateaus after that puberty stage, and things start to mellow out a little bit. But I always like talking to people that have older kids, like in their twenties, twenty one, twenty two, um, to see what kind of their battles were. And um, and I've met a couple other police officers that have, um, you know, as we. This community is very, very small, especially now you're talking law enforcement and now you're interacting with people, that, right? cops that have children on the spectrum. And right. There's this instant bond. Um, and right. I was just in Tennessee um, in November doing some autism training from down there. Um, and I met a, a guy from Memphis and he's like, you know, I have a 20 year old son with autism. Um, and he's like, he's here. He's like, I'd like to introduce him to you at, uh, at the break. So he did. Um, and his son actually um, got a job with the Memphis Grizzlies. And the Memphis Grizzlies oh, employed yeah. him. Really? And there was yeah, they're actually doing awesome. nice. they were doing an ESPN special on him, but COVID hit and they said they pushed it off. Yeah. Um but oh, Memphis wow. Grizzlies was like, No, 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 come on, we'll 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 employ you, figure out something to do. And yeah. that's a great thing. And it's um one of those things that we deal with as law enforcement is after in the school system, 
the day before your 22nd birthday, the school say, mm, sorry, we're done. Right. We don't have anything else for you. Yeah. So out you go. We don't, we don't know what to do. So there's a lack of resources for um, adults, young adults with disabilities. You know, a significant portion of that population has never had continuing education and or held a job. Um, so one of the things we're trying to build um, a little bit is – uh, working with our community businesses to employ our children yeah, with special that, needs. What's that next step? We, right, you, you know, right. we need to have a next step for them to be able to do stuff because they want to do it. It's just about providing the right environment for them. Right, and what people don't understand is some of the characteristics are awesome. Autism are like they will be the best employees that you will have a fun right. because uh, they are yeah, loyal, they are intelligent, yeah, they are yeah. meticulous, they have an eye for detail, and those are the strong suits of autism right, where sure. people over don't look at those things. They look at some of the deficiencies, but don't look at some of the positives. And right. they are some of your best employees you can hire. Um, so now we're pushing. Um, there's a great program out of Virginia called uh, Growth Through Opportunity Cadets, so GTO Cadets. Okay. Um, and GTO Cadets was started by um, a retired Roanoke police officer, Roanoke, Virginia. Really? Um, and he had a son with special needs. And what he did is he created it is a cadet program within police departments, but he, he only brings in young adults with intellectual or developmental disabilities. And they right. become interns with the police department. They provide nice. job skills. There's a physical fitness mm. component of it. Nice. There's That's awesome. Um, it's a, an amazing program, um, and we're looking to build it within my agency now. So if we do it, we would be one of the we would be the first agency yeah, in Illinois to be awful. able to do it. Wow, that'd be great. Um, it's that's awesome. Great. You gotta let us. Yeah, that'd be yeah. a great follow up show yeah. to talk about some yeah, of it. Absolutely. And, I mean, I don't. You know, going out on a limb here, would anyone would feel comfortable being a guest on the show to talk about their experience? Would they be able to? Do you think that they would be able to articulate that? Do you think an environment like this would be doable in a situation like that? Yeah. Because to hear it straight from the you know the individual's mouth about how that worked has got to be so moving, and and you know, you know, you're talking about law enforcement. Nothing is the same. No. Even the boring days, nothing is the right. same. So to be able to conquer that in an environment like this, I mean, it's doable. I mean, it's, it, it should give some people hope. Yeah, and, and really what it is, and now a lot of agencies are starting building these out, autism outreach programs within their agencies. Um, so it's you know engaging in the special needs community because I'm not going to lie, as a father, I was terrified to call my local agency terrified and i yeah, am a cop right. but i was like i'm like yeah. christ i'm like if i call them are they gonna understand so i reached out to that agency and i said what kind of autism are you going to like we've never gotten any i'm like you do now i said give me right, do right. a two four-hour blocks and they're like absolutely come on out That's and i went awesome. into that agency so now right. um, i feel comfortable if i had to call them they know my sons they're registered in their special needs program i know they've had been trained um and i i would feel more confident calling the agency now but a lot of parents are like man i'm terrified to call the police and real quick i know right. we missed this at the beginning but what is your Want to go ahead and plug what it is that you your website your, your training yeah. program? Um, so my business is um, bluelinespectrumsafety.com. It's well, that's my website. So it's www.bluelinespectrumsafety.com. Um, that is my website for my business. Um, um, I can cater training out training programs for. Um, I've done firefighters, dispatchers, law enforcement agencies. Um, I can do two, four, eight hour blocks, um, and I have a lot of resources that. Uh, we can provide agencies to help with some of these things. And here's the thing, and I, I get what budgets are like in police departments, trust sure. me. Um, a lot of the um, resources that I have, I've found that are at no cost or very minimal cost. Uh, okay. And they're very easy to implement into an agency um, to incorporate to now build a program to nice. engage your special needs communities and things like that. And now it's starting to build that trust. And, and these we, are things that we're, they're go we're going to have to have. I mean, yeah, we so are going to have to have it. Right. So. You know, we, we cost is a big thing, and we've talked about that before, right. and agencies say we don't have money for this and the whole defund argument and everything else. 
not to get off on a tangent, but these <laughs> these, these <laughs> are the realistic things that we need. These, yes. you, th- these are the things that you want your officers to have. This is that you want officers to have an understanding of what that is and, and these interactions out there on the street. The public expects this from us, and we want to do it, so it's valuable. Right. Yeah, and it's one of those things that, you know, just just like we're getting bashed in the media on certain things, now you have a horrible interaction with somebody with special needs, you're going to get destroyed. Right. You're just going to get right. destroyed. Right. right. You right. really are. Right. 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 Now, before, I'm going to get a couple law enforcement questions, but for parents, um, obviously, you have a teenage boy, mm-hmm. two young boys with autism, you, you know, you're a cop. You know, I, I know what my life is like, just stressed out and, you know, going crazy. How do you and your wife, what would you kind of advice would you give to other parents to maybe cope with it better or deal with it better to de-stress because i mean i i can imagine just like when we go on a call if i act like i'm stressed out it just triggers them you know in certain situations what what would you suggest for parents um and and for parents it really is isn't and the problem is is the divorce rate with children with autism is about 80 percent. really so now you throw in that i'm a cop and i work midnights it's amazing that my wife is still (laughs) married to me right you're Um, actually there's actually to be the fact that you're married is actually negative 60 percent sounds like you guys are both pretty strong actually and you know and really and we just we feed off each other like some days my wife has good days and she needs the break and it's tag you're it for a while right um you know when we kind of divide and conquer a little bit Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. as much as we can but some nights are very difficult because i'm working 6 p.m to 6 a.m um right. and some nights she's and the problem is my boys are getting older and they're getting bigger so right. the two of them yeah. are almost right. as big as she is now at this point okay. so my oldest is 13 11 and 9 so my 11 year old's almost as big as she is at this point because yeah. he's a bigger kid in anyway so they're getting to be a little bit of a handle for her too so um mm-hmm. it's really just trading off um when you need that break taking that break um it's it's talking and being open right? Um, and what you're experiencing. And um, it's okay to be frustrated. You're going to have rough days, but you're going to have a great days. And it's, it's important for families not to dwell um, on those negative instances, or those negative days. Yeah. Um, and the biggest thing, and I even tell us the cops too, and I tell it to parents is if you're experiencing those behaviors, don't take them personal. Right. Don't right. take them personal because it's not, it's the disability. It's not, they are not targeting you. They are not coming after you. It is their disability. And when you stop taking it personal or understand that, um, you know, when it happens, we're kind of like, you know, when we have an incident at home, it's like, oh, boy, here we go. Right. Like, you know, strap it in. Let's, let's right. go for the ride. <laughs> and we'll, we'll kind of ride the wave out and then we'll, you know, right. we'll recover and you yeah. take a little bit of a break and, you know, and tomorrow's a new day. And um, those are some of the things. That, but it is, a, it is a very stressful thing. I um, couldn't even I can't even sit there and say, well, I, I, I couldn't even I can't fathom. Yeah. I can't. Well, it's one of the things in just hearing him talk and, you know, you understand that, like, remove the idea that he has two autistic kids from this situation. That's what cops should be told every day, right. even removed from those situations. That's how we have to look at life. They're coming at you and hating you for reasons that are beyond, it, oftentimes, their control. And, you know, I, I know that people are going to say to me that leads to some officer safety related issues, but the philosophy that you carry, I mean, like you talk about, we, we, we talk about law enforcement a lot, like, somebody to talk to you about resiliency resiliency well what is resiliency what does that even mean well the statements he was just talking about and how he has to deal with his children would be probably a good place to start and talk about officer resiliency and dealing with the public during the stressful times are there any other things that you've experienced through that that have helped you with the job um i think some of the things well yes no i will tell you this um i have become much more patient um and i will tell you a lot of the my a lot of the things I talk about my training and now that transits into the job um, were my interactions with my own two sons, my own two sons that I screwed up. 
Yeah. I mean, it really, what it, what it mm-hmm. was is I just handled situations wrong. Um, right. As I think now, as my boys have gotten older um, and I've learned to interact and work with them better and understand them a little bit more, I'm much more patient on the street. Even with the most yeah, difficult clientele, I'm like, right, I'm like, that's great. I'm like, that is great. I'm like, dude, you can be like as bad as you want. You're, I'm, my kids can still be worse. So, I mean, whatever you got, bring it at this point. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, definitely, exactly. That's I mean, it's, 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 it's that's the <laughs> hardest lab that anybody could possibly be in because you have to do this out of love. It's like at a, on a call, you know, at a certain point, we just can walk away. Look, I can't get right. through to this guy. Right. You have to stay in the fight, and you know, you're staying in the fight for the rest of their lives. Right. And you know, when you take that to the street now. It takes a level of pressure off of you about winning or losing or how I conducted myself on this call to like the rest of us would be like, dude, where did you get this training at? Like, right. it's like right. you're on like CIT steroids or something. <laughs> like, it's, it's seriously, it's really right. good stuff to hear you talk about this. Right. And we talk about like, you know, even I tell, you know, officers and parents, it's like, ignore problem behavior. And then I think about it, I'm like, well, shit, I'm just going to ignore all the problem behavior and I'm good at work. <laughs> right. like, yeah, like, I'm done with right. this. I'm yeah. just walking away. I'm just, I'm ignoring it. Um, Should you yeah. come be our chief? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much they can ignore, but. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, so, so, yeah. so let's kind of bring it around. So why don't you walk us through, I would say, one, two, or three scenarios of the levels of autism and give us the perspective from a an officer standpoint, what we can do or what we should look for, what we can do better, and the flip side, what parents should, could, can, or may do better. So, and, I, and I, what I will do is I'll, I'll give you a good scenario of what we had, what, something we experienced. Um, so a couple of years ago, um, we had a young man. He was, he was 13 at the time. He's older now, but um, his autism was pretty severe. Um, he was nonverbal um, and, you know, really struggled with some of his behaviors and now things you, like that. Now you... This is 13 years ago, so... Well, this was like two years ago. Oh, two years ago. Okay. But so he's 13 years old. So you know... So you, you're, you've you been in this for a while now. So right. You know, okay. All right. Go ahead. So I... So... Um, and, this, and I spent three years as a school resource officer, so I was involved in the school. So the school sorcerer reached out to me, and she's like, we have this this kid. Um, he really, really struggles. Um, we really want to get involved in your special needs registry and some of the resources that you have. I'm like, no problem. Get him registered. Um the mom, they're Spanish speaking only, so there was already this distrust for law enforcement as it was. Yeah. Um, she was terrified to call us of how we would interact with her son. So what his his thing is, um, he was fine in elementary school, did pretty well, but he went transitioned to junior high. Um, well, he didn't want to be in junior high. He wanted to be back in elementary school. Well, the school was right across the parking lot. So the minute he got a chance, he was out the door of the school running back to the old school. That was his favorite place to go. So yeah. the school handled most of that. Well, now you bring in, it's summer break. And he's home, and he still wants to go back to that school. Um, so any chance he got, he would boom, out the door, boom, out the door. Any chance he can, he would just take off. Not having, knew how to get there, but didn't really have that um, sense of fear. So would run across um, a major street in our town, um, a U.S. highway, like four, lane, you know, four lanes of traffic each way, and he's running across and trying to get to the school. Um, so we worked with the family a little bit. We got him registered, and the first time we really had interaction with him, some of my officers had any traction. So he goes into one of our grocery stores and he's in his underwear. It's like two o'clock in the afternoon. He'd run out of the house and he won't communicate. And he and he's agitated, like bad agitated. Yeah. So the officers get there and they're like, uh, how do we do this? You know, what, what do we do? Yeah. Um, so we pulled out some of the resources that we had. Um, we were able to get it to communicate. We had a form of nonverbal communication. They're called PEX cards. So just picture cards. Um, mm-hmm. And visuals with children and adults with autism are great because they may not understand that spoken language, but visuals will give them a picture yeah. to be able to go through. So we pulled those out, and he started flipping through them right away. So we're like, well, all right, we're making a way. 
Um, we got him identified because we had him registered in our special needs program. We had him reunified with his mom in about 10 minutes. You know, so you That's start good. incorporating some of these things. Um, but with him, this consistently happened. He'd run, he'd run, he'd run, he'd run, he'd run. So we walk work with mom, and obviously one of the best resources we did, we called the ring, the cameras. Oh, yeah. Doorbells, and we said, this is what we have. And Ring's like, oh, we'll send you a whole kit. Really? Cameras, door ring, doorbells, door chimes, everything. And so yeah. we, they're like, no, just take it to the family. Like, if you need anything else, let us know. Oh, I mean, there, awesome. were, there was a resource that we never thought of utilizing, um, but working with that family to be able to keep him safe, um, and, we haven't had an, and we haven't had a wandering event with him since. We work with the family. Okay. We developed a safety yeah. plan. We had these resources, and we really cur- curtailed it. And that's that's the that's the lower side, the lower functioning side of autism. Um, yeah. For the higher functioning side is what we're looking at doing. Um, is we're the higher functioning side, they can drive, but now you throw in driving, and now you throw in a traffic stop with us, and lights mm. and siren. Oh yeah, the officer. Yeah, right. You know, the average person shits themselves when I have yeah. a traffic stop with us, right? <laughs> right, right? So right. now you throw in a disability. So what we're trying to do now is we're we're creating like, you know a driver's education class of involving with the police, what a traffic stop is like. So we, you know, experiencing that stress, experiencing that stress a little bit. And so, and actually um, the sheriff's office does it now um, and they work it, um, but we're now, we're working with a major, um, a pretty large driving school to be able to establish this now. That's great. That has a special needs component. So now we'll walk them through the scenarios. Hey, we're going to do, um, this is what the officer is going to do. We bring them back to the scenario and have them back at the squad car. And be like, this is why the officer takes a little longer to walk up to the car. Um, this is what you, the officer sees from your car. Can you see anything? They're like, no. So now you're putting in. So they get to see both sides. They of get it. to see both sides of it. Yeah. And then as they get more comfortable, now you start to amp up the scenario a little bit because let's be realistic. Not every cop that is on a traffic stop is going right. to be right. officer friendly. You're right. going to have, you know, right. some, some guy who's jacked yeah, up. They're or, actually called traffic cops. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you amp it up a little bit and so they get, so now they have a frame of reference. Um, so that's how we work with a higher functioning side of autism. So we're trying to meet everybody in the middle for where we see where the incidents could go bad. We're trying to work programs. With and are you feeling like you're getting good results from that? I mean, does it seem to be? Yeah, I mean, the I know the driver's education program, like there's people like waiting, like we want to oh, do really? it. We want to do it. We want to do it. Um, and I was lucky enough as my stepfather is a an ins- driving instructor for the school. So <laughs> right. I I'm like, hey, this is what I have to do. And they're like, the school's like, yeah, we love it. Let's do it. Um, and then COVID hit and it squashed everything for now, but yeah, we're, we're working with them. Um, so it's just, it's however creative you want to get as a department. And then now your special needs parents who have kids are like, man, this department really understands. You know, they have all these programs. Well, now let's work with them. Let's build this relationship. Let's um, try to build um Let's 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 bring the kids to this police department and meet some of the officers. Have um, you had people outside of this area ask you about it or inquire about it, or just typically around no, suburban well, areas here? Oh uh, well, I mean, I've had people when I talk about it in other states. People yeah. are like people, you guys do that? I'm like, well, we do in Illinois. I don't know about anybody else, right. but um, so I'm hoping that it catches on in other places. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but well, it will because uh, if Illinois is doing something good, everybody else knows about it. Right. <laughs> right. For once, right? For right. once, right? Right. 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 So uh, they'll so just add a nine percent drivers that tax on top. Of it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, go, go, going back to that scenario um, with the young man's in the grocery store, and, and we don't have these picture cards. Mm-hmm. What would be like if you just like I have no idea what to do, but you have an inkling he's not re- he's not a bad guy, and you know that's a mental health issue. Right. What's the best? I mean, like start pulling boxes off the shelf with pictures, or I mean, I mean, what is like if they're, like you know that they're nonverbal, it's the same scenario, and you're so stuck. It's a similar. It's it's the simplest thing we have. We have a pen and a piece of paper in our pockets, right? Right. Yep. It starts with that. 
Okay. Um, so we did it. We actually incorporated, we have in our cars now, we have just a white dry erase board with a dry erase marker. And we communicate via that way if you have somebody that's nonverbal. It's very simple. Um, and they'll understand it. They'll understand it. So it starts like. So you just write words or. Write words. Okay. Like, you know, what's your name? And they'd be able to write it back. Or they may be able to say it, okay. but giving them that visual to look at okay. will give that frame gotcha. of reference. Okay. And it was a when you think about like anything that we paint black and tell you to put it on there and call it tactical, we're falling all over ourselves to get to solve problems for people that are, you know, much more combative or much more problem problematic to us. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, Oh, that's ridiculous, I would never take that in there. Solve these problems. Right. You know, use the things that he's talking to you about. These are just as many things we're gonna come across. And if we're gonna come across a bad situation as cops, you know, put a cherry on top of it and then we get it. You know what right. I mean? Think like he's saying, be resourceful. Do the things that you need to think outside the box. Don't handle everybody the same. And the easiest way for apartments to do it is look at what school districts do. Because guess what they're dealing with? They're dealing with kids with special needs every single day. Right. So the right. PEX cards weren't my idea. I just took a page out of what the school districts were doing. Yeah. I just designed the cards for law enforcement situations. Are you hurt? These are handcuffs. Do you need an ambulance? That was, that was my follow-up. Was what, what kind of things are on those cards? Uh, so I've got it where they're, what's your name, your address, your phone number. Are you hurt? These are handcuffs. Stay right here. Stand up. Um, do you need a fireman? I am a police officer. Um, things like that. Visuals. And here's the thing. These kids have had experience with these cards to their entire school career. It's right. nothing new to them. Right. It's so foreign to us, it. yeah. but not okay. to them. You know, they'll look. And it, right. When we right. had that young man, he flipped through the cards. He knew exactly what he was going to look for. He knew how to use them. We just didn't. So all we did, all I did was steal a page out of school district's books and incorporate it into what we do as law enforcement. Yeah. So they're, they're tactical autism cards. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> they're, um, but what they're I tell black them, on the side with yeah, a red right, yeah, exactly. on the nylon pouch right, 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 with Velcro. Right, right, right. The Velcro, yeah, the Velcro is, startles <laughs> everyone because it's so damn loud. <laughs> <laughs> this is for my taser. This is for my dog popper. And right. this is for my cards. Right. Well, and you'd much rather use the cards, to be honest with you, right. uh, the rest of those things you just described. Honestly, well, I would. I mean, you solved the problem. But I mean, I just even thought, I mean, I didn't even think about a pencil and paper because I didn't even realize that non verbal like um, to me you hear nonverbal I'm like okay great this guy can't talk now he just doesn't want to talk right yeah. but if yeah, i write it, writing forever right it, we're right. totally fine right, right. so we would communicate via cave paintings for like eons but we forget about these things because right. tech is silver or you got a phone type it into your, your phone and hold right. the message up right. right like they got those translates when you're trying to pick up girls from argentina <laughs> <laughs> That's a picture. I no, know. I thought they spoke Spanish. Yeah. Not Portuguese. That's the one that she slapped. What me? is this guy saying? Yeah. Talk about nonverbal. Uh, what? That's who Sean shows the cards to. Right. right. Hello. <laughs> Hola. <laughs> so, all right. So now let's take it to um, worst case scenario. Yeah. You get there and nonverbal, violent. You know, it's just, it, it's, it's right now the shit show has started. Mm -hmm. And. What is there anything else from a law enforcement side that we can do, or just handle a situation as 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 we would always have to? And here's what I tell guys: I just like anything else, when we talk about our tactics, giving ourselves time and distance is a great resource. Yeah, there's no mm -hmm. different in these situations. What I tell right. officers now: I said, if you can contain them environmentally, meaning they're in a safe area where they're not going to really hurt themselves, they're probably going to throw themselves on the ground, things like that. That's great. But if you can contain them in a geographic area, meaning they're in an area that's safe. Why are we rushing to go hands-on? Why? Because that's what we're constantly doing. We're like, we have to intervene. We have to save the right, day. Well, right, right, right. You know what? That, that will screw this up even worse. Um, so if they're in their bedroom and they're breaking property, they're breaking property. Why are we trying to stop them? So when that happens, 
obviously there's always an end to it, but is that triggered by, and I don't want to use the word tantrum because it's not a tantrum, yeah. but, but like when a, my daughter has a tantrum, it's over in, I don't know, like three seconds, but um, <laughs> that's the way I handle it. But, but if, if, if they do have this um, episode, let's right. say, so you just, if, if they're in a safe area, you just let it play out. You let it play out because the minute you try to intervene, because what we have to understand is that what with the episode or what they call a meltdown um meltdown is a reaction to something and what we have to understand is that that meltdown is a form of communication we just need to figure out what they're trying to communicate um so it could be it's it's too loud it's too bright there's a strong smell um it's basic basic human needs i'm hungry i'm thirsty i, I don't feel good a lot of these things can trigger that but and i do and i do with my training is i do a little scenario it's called no words to come up with this crazy ass statement and i said okay i'm gonna write this out and now you have to act this out but you can't use any written language spoke anything or no letters so you get the cop up there and they're like holy shit how am i gonna do this so it's like a game of charades um and i let it go on for about two minutes and the guy you could see whoever it is is up there is now starting to get frustrated and so i finally laugh and they, most of the time they get it and i said how frustrating they're like very frustrating i'm like and that was two minutes i said imagine doing that your whole life right Imagine right. doing that your whole life. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I said, so this is where, yeah. so this is where you're you're building an empathy. And, like, put yourself in that person's shoes. Um, so it's addressing some of those basic needs. Um, sensory over is the big thing. So when we walk into a situation, we are sensory overload, right? We're going lights and sirens. We have a radio on. We have um, all this stuff on us, and we're strangers. We're not part of the routine, so we're already throwing them off anymore. So now, if we try to intervene, you're just making it way worse. It's like pouring gasoline on a fire. Um, so it's working with the parent to understand what it is, what we can do, um, but it's incorporating simple techniques. So one of the things we've incorporated in our in our squad cars is called a sensory kit, um, and it's noise canceling headphones, it's different fidgets, it's a whiteboard to communicate, um, it's all these different resources that you can break out that helps with de escalation. It's the kit costs seventy five bucks, and I will tell you when you have a shit show call like that and yeah. you use those tools and you're like, oh, this is. It yeah. immediately calms them down. You're like, oh my god, it's the best seventy-five bucks. Spinner, yeah. like this will this will calm it down, or right. like you just put the headphones on and like it's right. not as noisy as that. Okay, right. You know, so it's like it's too loud. Now you break up the noise canceling headphones. They all start to escalate because now that right. sensory overload that is experiencing is starting to diminish. Yeah, and then you know we talked about, and I I tell this to all the cops. I said, um, you know, calm breathing, breathing techniques. I said, what do we talk about? We talk about tactical breathing, right? Yeah. It, what does it do? It slows down our heart rate, our you know our pulse, everything like that. I said it's no different with them. I said I just terminology. Terminize the different. It's smell the birthday cake, blow out the candles. So those deep breaths, what do you start to do? You already start to calm down. Your heart rate slows down. Yeah. It's the same thing. So I saw it's, it's. I tell cops, I'm like, just say it's tactical breathing so it sounds cooler so you can do it. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Right. So yeah. right. um, in right. different strategies that we can incorporate, ignoring that behavior, not reinforcing it, um, not using trigger words like no, um, not now, or stop. Those are trigger words. So rather than saying something negative, we want to say a positive spin on it. So instead of saying Stop doing that and be like, we need to have a calm body. We need to have nice hands. We need to keep our hands to ourselves. Um, putting a positive spin on it now starts to realize um, that it will come back a little bit more. Right. Um, you know, even negative reinforcement is reinforcement. So if you give negative right. reinforcement, all you're doing is reinforcing that <laughs> negative behavior. Um, right. So it, it's in, but we as cops want to intervene and save the day. And sometimes it's just not the best situation or the best. Um, way to handle certain instances. Um, a question for you related yeah. to, you know, using force and training people on, mm -hmm. you know, Graham V. Connor. And like Graham V. Connor says to us, I can act if I can reasonably articulate he's a harm to me, harm to others, or harm to himself. 
Now, are there situations involving, you know, some extreme cases in autism where an officer might confuse, like, this guy is engaging in behavior that if I don't stop this, he might, in fact, cause himself some great bodily harm. Like, how do you recommend us handling a situation like that? Or is that even a reality? No, and it, it could it be a reality. It could be a reality, but now it's just creating a barrier. Um, you know, if we go, you go to a scene and a kid's banging his head against the wall, rather than going hands-on with him, I would just take a pillow and put it against that wall. Kind of stop right. You're not going to completely stop them, but at least you're going to stop them from hurting yourselves. You know, in a controlled environment, I, I would just kind of let that ride out until it got really bad. But in some instances, we can't do that. Now they're having a meltdown and throwing themselves in the middle of an intersection. Well, guess what? Right. We have yeah. to intervene right. at that point. Right. You know what right. I mean? Right. Right. So it right. dictates the it, really the situation dictates how we're going to respond. But but from um, a police perspective, you can you honestly say from a statistical standpoint, they very rarely address or you know of you know have their anger acted out against someone else it's usually themselves or a thing or is it just themselves no you can have aggressive behavior towards others um okay and that's okay you know and that's that's sometimes that's part of it um and it's right. again I'm, and i'm never telling any officer not to put their officer safety first i mean ultimately okay. we, we want to yeah. go home i mean right. it's right. not what i'm saying right. and, I, and i told the guys right. i said i would never tell you to put your um your safety in jeopardy because of that but right. um right. there are there are there are ways to handle it to prevent that from happening and then using some of the other resources um and literally it's waiting and it the stages of a meltdown it's like you there's these pre-crisis indicators during a meltdown and if you can see those you can intervene and stop it but the problem is we're not going to get called at those pre-crisis stages yeah, we're going to get it to right. full out it's blowout yeah we're right. way past that um and i said i tell cops i said number one don't take it personal and number two um be prepared because this could last an hour, hour and a half to two hours, depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon for me to have an hour and a half, two hour meltdown with my sons in my house. Sure. Um, it does happen. So if you think you're going to go in there and be out of there in 10 minutes, yeah. it's probably not going to happen. Okay. We're going to be impatient and be like, man, it's almost my lunch. Right, <laughs> it's almost right, time to go right, home. Right, right. I got I mean, four reports. I mean, I'm, I'm four reports down. This right. is bullshit. I don't want to stay here anymore. <laughs> right. um, Chris, you can relate to it. With, I mean, I know just a similar police experience. I'm not comparing these two things because it's a dog, but how many times on SWAT when you trained with us, the dog was doing his job to find us who he needed to find or what he needed to find, but we weren't patient enough to work, let the dog work within his cone. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. and, and smell out what he needed to smell out. And later on, the guy's hiding under the pile of laundry. We, we, right. he's, what, what he's saying is completely true. We're impatient about going back to our squad cars to do absolutely nothing. Uh, other than missing out on coffee and complaining, you know what I mean. Have some patience, you know what I mean. Uh, caffeine just aggravates you even more. <laughs> right, right, right. So now is um, going to kind of start winding down here. Yeah. Is there anything else that you think should be important that we should know or have parents know um, other than what we talked about? Um, and biggest thing for parents is get to know your agency, get to know your law enforcement, get to know your first responders, because if you start building that relationship. Um, and exposing those kids to police officers, there's there won't be that fear. That we want us to be seen as helpful, right? But if parents don't expose their kids to that, like from an early age, I told I told my sons, I'm like, the police are here to help us. So I mean, even at two years old, they were waving to the police saying sure. hi. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I'm a different situation, right? So we tell parents, I'm like, you know, have a meet and greet with your agency. No agency is gonna be like, no, I don't want to bother with your kid. <laughs> right, you know right, what I mean? Right. Um, we're too busy. Right. We've got too much going on. So I'm like, reach out to your department. And I tell them, as parents, I idea. said, ask, ask if they get training. Ask if the, your local agency gets training. And if they say no, ask them, why not? They work for you. Mm-hmm. So ask them. Call are them you, on do, it. Do, are you, well, per- it. 
And if they do say no, just tell them to go to the Blue Line Spectrum Safety. Exactly. I'm Seriously. happy to come out. Right, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> right, right. Now, now you have some tools in your toolbox. Sorry, Sean. Go ahead. Do you, uh, just real quick, do you discuss, like in the past, we would put alerts on people's homes for various reasons. Yeah. Some of it got into mental health related reasons. But, you know, that indicator. So when the dispatch comes out, the dispatcher knows, then it's on the home. And the officer knows as he's going there, it's an alert. People think at times that's a bit intrusive. And do you do that for everybody that has a disability on some level? What are your thoughts on that? No, we might offer to the families and say hey this is we have this special needs registry and basically what it, does, it alerts us but prior to us getting here but there's some vital information in that special needs registry that we you can use in handling this call so um our special needs registry forms talks about triggers likes dislikes favorite places tendencies things like that so um and our officers are able to access that from an app on their phone so on their way there yeah. or when they get there they can say okay this is our individual sure let's take a look and see what strategies have worked in the past or where they might go and things like that right, uh, right. and this is where the information is key so we offered to parents some parents say no some parents are like absolutely how fast can i get them set up uh, it's just right. a, it just depends right. on the family but um we right. wanted to explain to those families like this is critical information we don't want a negative no cop wants to screw this up no cop wants right. to screw this up right right you know and then and just one other thing related to that the fascination with water can you elaborate on that for law enforcement? Why that is something that, again, taken prima facie, it's like somebody's out there freezing to death, things like that. What what, what is the connection there? Why does that exist? And really, and think about think about water. Um, and if you're seeking sensory, water is it's cooling, it's um, it's the reflection, it's like the ultimate sensory input. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're mm -hmm. craving that sensory input, water is an awesome thing. Um, and water is okay. it's it's one of those things that kids with autism love water they love to swim mm -hmm. um the problem is is it's not the issue with the water it's the lack of sense of danger that becomes the problem right. because okay. the kids want to go to the water but they don't understand that they can't swim or they don't understand that it's you know the water is you know not 40, a safe place 43 degrees right so in a wandering event and i and i tell first responders this and every time i do this training i said if you get nothing out of my training today i said if you have a wandering event or an elopement event um check your closest bodies of water if you get nothing from me, if you think the rest of everything I said today is bullshit, if you get nothing out of it, <laughs> right. this is the one thing you Take need to remember. Away. Take this well, away. He's not, he's not lying because we. Right. I remember a case I when we were on the job. We lost a kid because of that. Right. We did not. The kid went right to a body of water. Or I don't know what the conditions were around. I think it was a retention pond. Right. It was mostly goose you know, feces. Right. And the kid, that's how they, they unfortunately had to fish him out of there. And that was, you know, you know what? Uh, you know, yeah. we could have maybe prevented it. Yeah, and it's strange, and I, and, I, and I tell first responders this, because both of my sons are wanderers. My middle one, he, he would just, if you left him unattended, he would just walk and just have no agenda whatsoever. Mm -hmm. My younger son, he's sensory-related, so he does it to get out of a, a situation where he doesn't like, so it's too loud, too bright, whatever it is, and he just says, I'm out of here, I'm done with this, and goes. But he would have no sense of danger, so he would run into a busy intersection. He would run anywhere to get away from where he was at and then have no clue and then realize, never realized that he was or realized that he's lost and be like I don't know what to do now yeah um, right. so and there's different ways wandering is um, there's a couple different versions of why wandering happens and um, what's critical for us is to there's some critical questions we have to ask ourselves like are they dressed for the weather do they know they're lost will they answer to their names um, you know what are some of the likes and dislikes and it will help us in these searches um, and I will tell you the more the more you know even 15 years ago I don't remember any calls involving autism. And now that I'm hip to it, like it's like, you know, weekly we're having a kid yeah. wander or oh, something. Yeah. And now, right. now that I'm no, recognizing it, it's like, I, it's all the time. I'm like, man, I just missed these 15 years ago when I wasn't yeah. 
looking for well, it. Well, I think we're all well, in the same yeah, boat, right? Yeah, that we just right. didn't, it yeah. wasn't trained or wasn't, we right. weren't as aware of it or, you know, I, mean, I think it's all those things I mean, combined. 15 right. years ago, you're going, oh my God, Junior's walked out again. Are you kidding me? Right. So I'm going to drive slow or whatever. But I right. mean, I think now it's just, now this has come to the forefront more and more that, you know, it, it's just, it's just not kids being, uh, you know, bad. It's just not kids right. being disruptive. It's kids with that have a diagnosis. Right. And then, then we're, you know, we, we took an oath to help people and, you know that the more we know i think the better you know the better officers will all be right absolutely yep. so well everybody thank you so much uh and uh thank you for so much for taking the time and talking you know telling us your personal story and stuff i, I really appreciate it yeah they're really inspiring good yeah. luck to you guys all and nice work man so far you definitely are inspiring to hear like makes me reassess myself on the job oh <laughs> i mean and don't don't think that this isn't gonna go to our chief that's for sure yeah. Um, but if anybody has any uh, questions, uh, please go ahead and uh, you can email bluelinespectrumsafety at gmail.com. And uh, Stefan will uh, go ahead and answer anything he can, put your points in the right direction. And for us, we thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. And if you can do us a great favor, since we're such a small venue, kind of get the word out by going to uh, where you get your podcast, uh, like, subscribe, and leave a review. It would be greatly appreciated. And if you have any questions for us, uh, email 3copstalk at gmail.com. That's the number three, copstalk at gmail.com. And again, thank you, everybody, and I appreciate it. Have a great afternoon. Thank you.